When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Welcome to the TNF Hotline on the Knapsack Files. Your calls, your voice, your thoughts, and your host, Ken Knapsack. Here we are for a bonus edition of the TNF Hotline. It's July. This was meant to be for June. Wow. Did time fly or what in June? I looked up. I was like, oh, I need to record that. I have some calls. Oh, no. June is done. I apologize for that. But we got a bonus edition here, a weekend edition of the TNF Hotline. Your calls, you get access to this Google voice message system. If you're a uh, level three supporter or higher on Patreon, your calls come in. I respond to them. We share them with the world. You don't have to be a Patreon supporter to enjoy this show. You can just listen to some fine folks calling in with some questions and some thought starters for me. And I think without further ado for this bonus edition, let us jump right in with a returning call from a friendly voice. Hello, Ken. This is Andy from Dallas once again, continuing our music discussion from last month. Which do you prefer, the studio version of the song or a live version of the song? I personally prefer live versions of songs, especially of the British band Porcupine Tree or the solo works of Stephen Wilson. Thank you and have a good day. Andy calls in a lot about baseball. He calls in a lot about music. Music and baseball, two of my favorite things. And we talk uh, about uh, music a lot here now on the TNF Hotline and over on the Patreon page with the launching of the Kazok Radio Spotify monthly playlist, an exclusive playlist available to supporters all levels on the Patreon page. And uh, it's been a lot of fun talking about music again. And this is an interesting question. Live Tracks, live music versus studio versions. The, the the versions, the radio versions, the songs you hear on the albums, unless it's a live album, of course. So this isn't to me about going to see live music versus not going to see live music. I do enjoy a good show, but I do have an answer to this question. It's pretty definitive, and that is I enjoy the studio version of songs. Most songs. We're talking in the 98% range. I don't know where it comes from. It might be that as a Beatles fan, I grew up studying a band that at one point said, "Uh, nuts to going on the road. Nuts to live music. We can't do it. The crowds aren't hearing what we're playing. We're trying to go beyond what we're doing on stage. We want to get in the studio, play with all the bells and whistles, all the fun toys, make some uh, very interesting recordings. And I don't think we need to go on the road. Collectively as a band, we think this. Let's do it. So 1966, the Beatles stopped touring Candlestick Park. Uh, What was that, August? I'd have to get Scott Manson here with those dates. 
That was the end of their live performances until, I guess you could say, the rooftop performance during the uh, Get Back, Let It Be phase of their career just a few years later. But it seems like decades. That's how much the Beatles changed from year to year with their music. Anyways, let's talk about the subject of hands because I could talk about the Beatles for a long time here. I think it is because of that. And growing up, initially, my love of music really was focused on, quote-unquote, oldies, the 60s and 70s, when I was listening in the late 80s. And I think a lot of bands, particularly um, inspired by the Beatles, inspired by the Beach Boys and Pet Sounds, uh, really went to the studio and had a lot of fun. So I enjoy hearing that, and it's very hard to recreate that kind of music live on stage. There is a great energy to live music, and sometimes I do enjoy a good live album. As an Oasis fan, they've released a few, and it's always a little bit different. I, I do enjoy it. Liam's vocals on a on stage are, are, are definitely different than they're in the studio. And, and the phrasing, the way he kind of says some words and sings some stuff, depending on if his voice is cracked, how much he drank last night, uh, there's some change. But I love the energy of Oasis Live. One of my favorite uh, live albums, no, not Journey at Houston, uh, Journey Live at Houston, sorry, Josh McCuga. It is, though, the Fleetwood Mac 1996 reunion album, which was live or recorded live, put together over the course of a couple nights for the VH1 uh, series and their big comeback in 96. And I'll tell you what, uh, you know, go your own way, uh, 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 the the chain, they did the the version of the Tusk they even did live, just has something about, there's something about the energy, the crowd was really great that night, and not saying that I prefer that version over any other studio version of Fleetwood Mac song, but there was just something about it, I, I, I tend to listen to those versions first over the studio versions, but I do have a definitive answer, it is studio, it is the studio version, there are of course great live bands, live artists, and I know a lot of them have fun going live, and they can recreate stuff very well, I'm a big fan of Ryan Adams, I think what he does, uh, he had his uh, uh, album a couple years ago there, live at Carnegie Hall. Eels put out a big album. I think Carnegie Hall as well, if a memory serves. Place to play, you know. Um, they do a great job, uh, those artists, of recreating, but also toying and playing and giving you a different version live. So I like that, but I like the original. I like what the artist uh, set out to do in a studio and had fun, adding all the bells, the whistles, the harmonies, the background sounds, the background instruments. I really do enjoy that there. It's been a while since I've gone to see a live rock and roll show, though. I uh, kind of miss that. There's a lot of things as you get older you don't miss about live shows. The crowds being bumped around, long line for expensive drinks, the parking, all that good stuff, all the reality things. But at the end of the day, I do enjoy a great live show. I had the ability, uh, to, uh, fortunate enough uh, to see a few of them, uh, what I consider great shows over the, over the course of my, uh, my still young life. So there's still a chance for me to go. I, I did see David Bowie in 2005. My friend Jay brought me along to see him in Anaheim, and that was a transcendent uh, experience and performance to watch, and uh, especially when he passed in 2016. I, I, it was the first thought I had. It's just, wow, I'm just glad. Now that I just got to go see, hey, I saw David Bowie, but I got to experience what he uh, did live and, and recreate a lot of his songs, which are studio masterpieces as well. So 
Andy, to answer your question, I do like the studio albums. I do get the live experience. I do get the live energy, and I miss it. But at the end of the day, give me the bands, the artists, the producers, the time and space in a studio, and let's see what they can come up with. Hey, Ken, it's Rob the Snark from Winnipeg Calling. You talk a lot about your love of music. was wondering if you have ever learned to play an instrument. Uh, thanks. Can't wait for the next edition of Kazak Radio. All right, Rob from Winnipeg with another music question. I'm telling you, we love it. I've said the Kazak Radio playlist on, on Spotify over on Patreon has brought back uh, uh, my passion of talking about music, and I think it's uh, boiled over. To you guys, the listeners here. So Rob from Winnipeg wants to uh, check in as winter is on the way up there. I'm sure it's always winter up in Winnipeg. Uh, White Walkers and all. Asking uh, me personal question about musical instruments. Oh, oh, Rob from Winnipeg. I wish I could tell you why, yes, I'm good on the acoustic guitar. I can tinkle on the piano keys a little bit. I can carry a beat on a drum. Oh, I wish I could tell you that. But if I were to tell you that, it'd be a lie, a big, giant lie. It is not, though, that I didn't try. When I was in radio as a rock and roll DJ, well, my heart, I should have listened to Yoda's advice and kept it on where I was, but my heart was on being a rock star. Oh, I loved that idea. Somewhere. I think it is in my location here in the Knapsack Files Studios in Burbank, California. There is a book with a binder, a rather big, thick binder, and in it has to be 200 to 250 sets of song lyrics and poems that I wrote from the age of, say, 17 to, like, 22. I swore on my life I was destined to be a songwriter. I couldn't sing... I couldn't play an instrument, I couldn't read or write music, but I could write lyrics, and I knew what good lyrics were, and I had a broken heart to mend. Oh, oh. I think at some point we all might go through that phase. Some of them, uh, maybe 2% of us, it actually uh, transcends into their actual life and career. Think of my friend Van William. Uh, we grew up in the same area, a few years apart, but you know, while I was down and playing radio songs and uh, writing poems and lyrics in my off hours, he was actually becoming a great songwriter. And in terms of instruments during this era, I absolutely tried. I had an acoustic guitar, hand-me-down guitar, got some, went out and bought some strings uh, with a friend of mine. I had to have, you know, I couldn't do it myself, they were strung up, and I set out to learn. This is pre-YouTube, where you could just bring up some video and, uh, you know, and watch. I I had to, you know, get a a little book or a magazine, I believe, Um, maybe some kind of DVD. That's not ringing a bell that I did it, but I I, I remember watching something. Uh, You know, the Internet was alive and well. I mean, it wasn't well, but it was alive. But it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same, children. We do remember the mid to late 90s. But I had this guitar, and I learned some chords. I could play a G. They can give you, I could give you an E. I could strum it. I could strum that guitar, not to any design or plan. I could just strum it. 
For a while, I couldn't figure out, was I a righty or a lefty? Now, I'm right-handed in life. I can I can kind of swing a bat from, from the left side. I uh, snapped a tendon in one of my fingers on my right hand in sixth grade, and I learned to throw a football pretty damn well with my left hand for that time. Um, that time period was weird. It was almost evolutionary. It's like my, my finger, got, my tendon got snapped, and my body was like, well, we still need to play football recess. You'll be okay. But when I had the guitar in my hands, I couldn't figure out which side. Now, I was a fan of the Beatles, again, mentioning them. You got Lennon, you got McCartney. Well, McCartney's a lefty. He just flips that bass upside down. And Lennon from the right side. I couldn't figure out because they both seemed kind of natural. Uh, I didn't seem to have a dominant side. So that was my first struggle. And I was getting good, man, in terms of my fingering. It was getting better. <laughs> um, I, I, I would do little exercises. A friend of mine could play guitar. A couple of friends, a friend of mine could. Uh, a friend I had uh, through the radio station. He didn't work there, but he was a, uh, a friend of the station. He taught me. And I would do and I'm even doing them now as I'm talking to you. The thing, you know, you, know, you press your fingers to your thumb and you do it in kind of an order and you'd kind of get, build your strength up. I was doing all that. I was doing all that. Uh, I just, it wasn't happening, though. It wasn't happening. I think at this point, there could have been a moment, and this is the lesson for anyone listening, could have been a moment where I really just hunkered down and learned this. I think it could have happened. Yes, I do believe you have to have a, a certain amount of natural talent and skill for a lot of things in life, musical instruments perhaps on the top of that list or in, in, in the upper uh, upper parts of, of, of the collective list of life. Um you can learn things, but you still kind of have to have those skills. But I was learning, and I think you could choose. I could have been competent. I could have been a rhythm guitarist. No thanks, a rhythm guitar and mouth organ. I, I could have done it, but I backed off. Now, around this time, this is around 1996-97, I'd yet to move to Los Angeles. Around this time, my friends uh, and I, my friend Joel, uh, friends James and, and, and Toby and some other folks coming in and out, we formed a band. What? Ken, you were in a band? Well, to explain. It wasn't an actual band that we intended to go play music and shows and all that good stuff. It was kind of a comedy band. We were obsessed with Spinal Tap and Christopher Guest movies, and I was uh, obsessed with just music in general and the Beatles and, and, and documentaries about the Beatles and rock music. So we formed a little comedy band. It was a pretend band, and we filmed a lot of things. At the time, I actually had lost my job at the radio station, was working at a movie theater with all these guys and, and gals. And we made these little fake documentaries about this band called No Moleste. Don't bother. Um, and it was fun. And we spoke in, I think, horrible British accents because that's what you do when you're in a bad comedy band. And I bought a tambourine. I still own that tambourine. I do not own that acoustic guitar. I do have that tambourine. I should have thought about it and brought it out right now and just ching, 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 ching for you. No, would have been bad. But I do have it. I bought this tambourine. I don't know, partly because I figured I could use it in this comedy video series we were doing. Also, I figured, well, it's good to have a tambourine. Liam Gallagher has one. If, if we ever start playing live shows, I think I'll need one. Now, we actually, interestingly enough, a couple of the people in the band um, actually could write songs, could sing, could play instruments, and uh, that's what we did. We actually uh, wrote some songs. I think I wrote some lyrics at times uh, 
some stuff is there. Um, and uh, we recorded some songs. In fact, I've, I'm remembering on the fly here. I did uh, record a song that had, uh, I rec- recorded it in my radio station at night in the production studio uh, while uh, my friend was working on air in the other studio. And I recorded like it was like me singing, but four different versions at once. And it was like, I, again, going back to why I love studio stuff, I could play around with it. So it actually was okay. It was this weird kind of, it was, it was <laughs> like the, if, if you take the Beatles song because they record like a bad version of that, that was this song. I don't remember the lyrics. Somewhere that exists on a reel. I might even have some of this stuff. And we even ended up recording in that live in that production studio a couple little songs and recorded them. And I even put them on some mixtapes. So we had some of it. It was kind of fun. It was interesting. It was exciting to be, quote, part of a band, even though, wink, wink, we really weren't. But once we actually got some recorded music down and there was a couple little riffs that were good, you know, we had this dream. We're like, oh, maybe this is real. So that's when I was really like, I need to learn this acoustic guitar. But I I came to that point, came to that point where I was either going to learn to be just an average, competent guitar player, or I was going to put it down and never learn. And unfortunately, I put it down, and I never learned. And then the band, well, it eventually broke up. Well, that's because some of the members went down south to college in Los Angeles, I hung on for a little bit and then followed suit down there. By then, it was just a dream. It was something in the past. Where are those tapes, those videos, you ask? I don't know. They were shot and put together all on VHS. We did have access to some editing uh, at our college, our community college, and actually a former high school. We probably could have gone back there. But I don't know where it went. I don't know where the lost tapes of the rock and roll documentary of the Central Coast band No Moleste went. I do not know. I do not know. If anyone finds them, there'll be an absolute treasure trove of bad goodness. There were, though, pictures we took during that time. And... Some of those pictures exist. In fact, I think I do have some of the print, uh, prints of the, of the pictures. We took banned photos. And one of them, I do believe, made its way to Friendster, my Friendster, and definitely MySpace. I do not know if it made it to Facebook. I'd have to look very early on in my profile photos, my albums going back uh, when I was on Facebook in 2006 is when I signed up for it. I uh, really didn't dig into it until everyone else did a few years later, but I had a profile, it was an active profile, and I put some pictures on there every now and then. There was a photo, and if you're, if you're a long-time listener or you've dug into my profiles, if you can find it on my MySpace page, God bless you. If you can find it on my Friendster page, I don't even know if that's still even around or active, God bless you. But there is a picture of me in a uh, periodic table T-shirt. And I'm on uh, like an access ladder. And there are legs, naked legs with some Converse on, some socks, and a tutu, like a pink tutu you see. So this person's not naked, but the legs are bare. And they are definitely hairy man legs because they were. And I was holding on to the legs, and with my little rock and roll John Lennon glasses, my, I think, goatee at the time, my longer hair was looking up the pink tutu. Oh, yes, it was a rock and roll cover album. Yeah. We took them for the video. We're going to put them into the video somehow, some way. But that picture survived. 
It's out there somewhere. And that is my one foray into being a rock star and to learning an instrument. A long way to answer your question, Rob. Maybe, maybe next month I'll break out the tambourine. I wish I did learn. But hey, I'm a tambourine man. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, let's take another call. Hey, Ken, Rocky here, checking in. I just want to take a quick second and plug the uh, Discord server uh, as part of your Patreon rewards. If uh, somebody isn't part of the Patreon, go over there uh, right now and sign up. $1 a month gets you access to the Discord server, and uh, it's a lot of fun. We we talk in there, and uh, Ken gets really involved. There's several uh, returning characters, I guess you could say. And if you're out of touch with these crazy kids and their technology, uh, just go over to the Patreon and ask somebody how to get into Discord, and uh, we'll hook you up. So in honor of the Discord server, I want to take you back to a time when before Discord ever was invented. Maybe a, you know, a teenage Kenny Knapsack sitting in his room. Um, and if you, so if you could have one celebrity or personality to create a Discord server where you could go talk to them and their fans, who would it be? So you have to take into account who you're going to be talking to and also, but also their fan base. Thanks, Ken. What an interesting question from Rocky. Coming out of the gate, talk there, Rocky. Closing the show with an interesting question. And, yeah, Rocky is talking about the Discord server. We have that going up on the Knapsack Files Patreon page. You sign up, you get access to the Discord server. It's exclusive there. I don't want to open up to the public because you never know what that could invite on in. Now, I was a little confused at the Discord server when uh, Patreon made it something that you could just tie into your Patreon uh, campaign and page without a click of the button, you know, without any effort. And I was like, ah, I, don't, I don't know what these kids these days doing this Discord server. Then uh, people uh, kept asking for it, and I looked into it. And yeah, you know, uh, it was built for gaming first, more than anything. So if you play a game and you like playing games, you can go into the Discord server for that game and talk amongst people that you play with, all that kind of stuff. It's like a, kind of like Reddit, kind of like just a general chat room <laughs> back in the day, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I wasn't sure about it, but we started it, and it's a lot of fun. Rocky's one of the key members over there. Uh, Monday through Friday, I go on there and do a daily Discord, a discussion, a question, a thought starter. Uh, we have a Does Anyone Know channel if you need some help with some advice around the house. Uh, where my car battery died the other day, I put a video here. I was like, does anyone know what this sound is? Uh, we also have a personal help desk. If you're going through some stuff, you can uh, go in there and just to find a safe place to kind of talk about it. Uh, we have a lot of things we talk about the shows here on the Knapsack Files. We just have a lot of fun. We also have just a, a section on food and drink. Food and drink. Uh, mostly just me posting pictures of the scrambled eggs I make in the morning. So that's going on over the Discord server, which and it's been a lot of fun, and I'm glad we did it because people like Rocky make it happy and make it fun. There's a great community, Kai and Bedore and, and Thomas and uh, Pagnetti, DJ Snacks. Uh, we have Tim who helps me run it. They're just so many great people over there, and it's like hanging out with some friends. So it's a great question from Rocky of if I could have any celebrity start their own Discord server where they were actively in it and I was involved in talking with the fans, who would it be? The answer is... Well, let me think. I'm not sure. There's a lot of people I'd like to talk with who I follow, who I'm fans of. Um, 
not just for what they do. Like, I'm a fan of Ryan Adams and his music. I'd love to talk about that with him. But, you know, he's a big Star Wars fan. I'd like to talk about that. Um, I like that kind of stuff. Uh, some all-time pro wrestlers that are still around. You know, I don't want to talk about wrestling with them. But then I don't want to be in the Discord server with some of the wrestling fans. That's part of Rocky's question. Steve Martin is a great influential icon in my life and career. I would love to meet and talk with Steve Martin. I know people who have. Jealous I am. But Steve's a very quiet guy. If you uh, hear the stories, he just kind of wants to be left alone, something I respect as well. It's about 50% of my brain most of the time. I just want it quiet. I just want to be alone. Uh, Steve Martin's considered a very serious guy, uh, off air, off camera to those uh, around him. Not not bad, not mean, just kind of Again, quiet, withdrawn to himself to, unless you're, you're, you're someone he knows and likes and trusts. So I don't know if he'd be actively involved. It'd be interesting. When he was on Twitter and more, I, I don't know if he's still, the profile's still there, but he is definitely not on there as much, not as uh, active anymore. It'll probably where he said a very nice thing, a nice sentimental kind of almost inside joke thing about Carrie Fisher upon her passing, and he was ripped apart for it. Uh, another one of those wonderful uh, trial by Twitter, Twitter lynch mob moments that I despise. And uh, there you go. Steve Martin's pretty much gone, not on Twitter anymore. So I don't know if he would want, or even even in this fantasy, fantasy scenario, he'd be a great uh, person to have a Discord server uh, experience with. So he's almost my answer. But in thinking about him as my almost answer, Steve Martin, I thought about, oh, I know the answer. Someone I'm a big fan of, someone who I'm a friends with fellow fans of him, and it's always interesting, and he always creates interesting stories, and that's Bill Murray. That's right. I think we all should demand that the Bill Murray Discord server be started by Bill Murray himself. Oh, sure, admins can come in and run it, but I think Bill Murray, if he was to get the hang of it, because you can just have it on your phone or your desktop, you can take it with you where you go, it'd be fun. And then people could post their pictures of accidentally, uh, you know, uh, their uh, fortunate run-ins with Bill Murray, those legendary urban myths that most of them are actually true of Bill Murray showing up at parties, sitting down and having lunch with strangers, paying for strangers' lunches at train stations, all these kind of weird stories that have popped up over the years. A lot of them are true. I even have a friend, uh, an acquaintance more more or less, but a, a friend who um, uh, met Bill Murray, Bill Murray at downtown LA or something and posted pictures and, and they were both having ice cream cones. And he, and he just posted on Facebook, this is, I can't even explain what happened. It's the most marvelous thing. And there it was, Bill Murray there. Uh, my friend and writing partner, Matt Key, big Bill Murray fan, has met Bill Murray. Met him at, uh, outside of the Acme Comedy Theater, and there's a great picture. It's still on Matt's profiles all over the place of uh, uh, a selfie. I think... Um, back uh, in the early heady days of selfie technology and Bill Murray took the picture and Matt's just there shocked beyond belief and it's a great story and Matt has Bill Murray birthday parties there every few years in honor of his birthday Matt's birthday and we all have to come dressed as Bill Murray characters and uh, Bill Murray the legend goes was contacted by a friend uh, for one of those parties and actually said I would love to be there I'm in London that week and we are that close to having Bill Murray at a Bill Murray party. So a Discord server with some daily interactions with Bill Murray 
sharing stories with Bill Murray fans, the ones who have met him, the ones who want to meet him. It does not matter. I would think that would be fun and entertaining. Let's make a push. Hashtag Bill Murray Discord. We can make it happen. Thanks for the calls. That's all today. Thank you from Rob. Thank you from Andy. Thank you from Rocky. I appreciate it. It's a weekend bonus edition of the Knapsack Files hotline. You can get access to the hotline by joining up on the Patreon page. Tier 3 or higher gets you access to the hotline, but you don't have to be. You can just support me. Go to knapsockfiles.podomatic.net. Get a lot of information here about the podcast, the Knapsack Files, uh, my stuff over on Twitch, Instagram TV. I've got my motivation videos up and having a lot of fun doing that as well. YouTube page. I'm not saying I'm going to be putting a ton of videos there, but there's a little bit more activity on my YouTube page, so you can go find that as well. And then something nice on the website, the knapsockfiles.podomatic.net. Uh, I know that's I know this. I there is a kennapsock.com. I own it. I have it, but that is not the same page. You can link to it from the knapsockfiles.podomatic.net. Long story. We're working on it. Uh, but if you go there, there's a new page up. It is live. It is active. But I'm adding to it as we go. It's a living document. It is a charity spotlight. If you go there, you can find some charities that are close to uh, my heart, some causes. Uh, I've adopted the engineering class in Las Vegas. Uh, Be the Match is up there as well. That's for me. And then some others uh, nominated by uh, Patreon supporters or some friends of mine in the industry. And the list is growing. Just have a few up now, but uh, some more in the works. Check that out. It's the charity spotlight there. Before we sign out, I must say thank you to my producing partners. That's right. These are my Patreon producer teammates whichever you say they're here they're supporting me at a higher tier and when I, that's not just a uh, title we casually throw around uh i believe uh patreon is a direct to consumer uh, way of entertaining now it's changed it's not just me uh putting my flag there and saying gimme 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 i'm having an a fun time actively designing and planning the future of my brand with some help of people there. We added some higher tiers, some higher support tiers, and that came after research through what I'm calling the TNF boardroom. That's at the uh, tier uh, six or higher level. You get a a special place on the uh, Discord server, and we talked about uh, what I was going to be doing, some of my goals and rewards. These people, when I say they're producing partners, are actually actively helping me here, the Knapsack Files podcast feed. So special shout out. You're going to hear them in every episode. Uh, Jason Humphreys at The Hump 351. Christopher Paquette at Pagnetti. That's Pags to you and me. Spencer Hunt at SC Hunt 727. And the executive producers, Aaron Parisian at Aaron underscore the author. Uh, underscore the author as well. That's two underscores. Aaron underscore the underscore author. David Ham, oh, he's DJ Snacks to you and me at Temporal Radio, where I've been hopefully be doing some little live internet broadcasting soon from there i'm working on that thomas risling sir thomas the tall over a crisis averted studios they do a lot of my t-shirts over the t public page logan logan x lethal logan x my old pro wrestling uh, buddy and matthew simon at d busama d busama that is my executive producer tier the first three the producer uh, partners uh so uh, that's going to be something on every episode you'll hear it it'll be a little shorter a little more concise i'm just uh, here having fun on the bonus episode of the tnf hotline that is it that's a mouthful we'll see you guys next time 